Ridiculously large-headed man sitting between two of the white columns on the massive front porch. Better not be, she grumbled to herself, noticing that he was beginning to resemble the man she had thrown off the train, to cheers, a few days ago at the Rhinecliffe station. Approaching cautiously, she placed the can of pepper spray in the back waistband of her Levi's. He was smiling at her. Hi he said. Are you Jackie McKeon? It wasn't him. Good. That's me, Jackie responded curtly. Publisher's Clearinghouse, right? She quipped. The smile left his big, round face as he stood up and held out a manila envelope. You've been served, he said flatly. Jackie took the envelope. Served? She looked down at it briefly and then watched the man make his way across the grass back to his car, shaking his head. I'd ask you out, he said, continuing toward the car. But this isn't the best how-we-met story in the world. Gee, thanks, she replied, fishing her keys from her jeans pocket. She watched him pull out of the driveway as he took a bite out of what appeared to be a large candy bar. Perplexed, Jackie opened the front door. Rubbing the scar tissue on her palms, she contemplated. The divorce was final, and there were no children involved. She set the envelope on the black cast iron table in the foyer, took the pepper spray out of her back waistband, set it next to the envelope, and headed for the kitchen. Grabbing a can of soda from the stainless steel refrigerator, then a glass, Jackie walked over the Italian marble tile, through the foyer, and picked up the envelope again. Moving into the living room, she popped the tab on the soda as she scanned the papers inside and froze. The letters were large and menacing. Jackie read the first two words over and over again, her mind unable to comprehend. Foreclosure notice, she murmured in shock and then read it again. Foreclosure? What? She screamed. The echo shot through the expansive living room like lightning on a hot summer night. The conductor tried to read the notice, but couldn't. Dropping it onto the table, confusion racing through her veins, she felt her head begin to pound. Fifteen years she'd put into the home and calling the house a home was generous to say the least. Sherry could never understand how Jackie could have rebuilt it, let alone endured living in it at all. Yet she continued, as if possessed into believing that constantly working on it could bring them back somehow. Every cent she'd ever earned, everything since she was fifteen years old with a paper route, had been sucked into her obsession. Her thoughts quickly returned to the divorce, the mortgage, the mistress. Join account, she whispered uneasily. Looking down at the papers, her stomach became queasy. Steve. She took a long drink of the soda, gaze fixed on the notice on the table. It wasn't enough that Steve, who exercised less control over his zipper than a certain golfer, had ruined her faith in men. Now he was trying to take away the only solid memory of them she had, the house, 
or the castle, as Sherry referred to it. She sat motionless, staring into the empty stone fireplace as though it were a portal. Her eyes reddened as she took another gulp of the soda, glass forgotten. The sun had set, and the light began to empty from the room, yet she remained there, paralyzed. Distantly, as if miles away, she could still hear her mother's screams. And when the silence came, her innocence would be replaced with something much darker. Rebuilding the house had become her fixation when she was just a young girl, staring at the mountain of charred ruins that remained of it. Palms that had once held Barbies and multicolored Play-Doh were forever branded with the scars from trying to drag her mother's horrific remains.